vault door is closed. We are locked and loaded, ready for another time uh, of Bible study here at Backwoods Theology. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you enjoyed our last episode where we talked about, is it Jesus or Joshua? And I pray that you see it is Jesus uh, at the end of that episode, and we enjoyed bringing that to you. We have another fun-filled episode today that we want to go over and looking forward to just giving you some more great Bible content. So I'm here with my friends once again. Say hi, friends. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, you didn't say hi, say hi, friends. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, groan. Yeah, I'm really Yeah, groan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. Well, we are glad to be here. I'm two with two of my best friends in the world, and I'm so thankful to uh, be able to discuss the Word of God with them. And just in our discussion just a few minutes ago, Brother Chad brought up a great idea that we all thought would just be good to do a podcast episode on. So uh, I'm going to mention it to you, but then I'm going to hand it over to Brother Chad. This is uh, his idea, and I think it's a great one. Hope you're ready. So we are going to be discussing this episode, the difference between traditional views of the Bible versus biblical views of the Bible. That how did tradition become truth? Uh, we mm. have a choice to make. Are we going to believe the Word of God, or are we going to hold fast to our traditions? So without any further ado, take it away, Chad. Sure. So as we come into this discussion, and as we're thinking through this, um, we know that our culture is one that is easily affected or triggered by buzzwords, right? There are certain words that just stir people up. And so a word like tradition or traditional amongst believers, amongst independent Baptists, can evoke certain meanings or certain feelings. So when you think of the word tradition, all right, so we're going to just play a word association game. Association game. It will not be controversial, uh, but, but Josh Lovelace, Good. if I say the word traditional church to you, oh boy. all right, what does that evoke? What does that, what does that make you feel? Um, well, I, you, you want a practical, like, like, a um, man, I go to this suit and tie hymns, great, you know, okay. King James red letter hymnal, red letter sure. hymnal, red, red, red bound hymnal, you know, Schofield Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it does, it kind of, there is the point to be made here is that when we think tradition, we do think of concrete things like That's a good point right yeah. and, and we and we and whether we understand it or not we or whether we're aware of it or not we do pass on traditions to those uh, that are coming after us to our kids to the generation of believers that are growing up that are being discipled we pass traditions on some of them passive and some of them active mm. right so the word of caution, to us is um, to think carefully about those traditions. One of the responses of a generation that comes after, a generation that's heavily steeped in tradition, the younger generation will find fault with the older generation's traditions and seek to cast off all traditions altogether, and that is an error. 
right? That is an error. So for, for example, uh, you, Josh, hit on coats, ties, red letter, text, hymns, all those things. A younger generation seeing fault with an older generation that held those traditions mm-hmm. can cast them off whole cloth and, and just make the opposite but equal error, if you will, right? The whole pendulum swing to the other side. Yes. So a virtue, right, in that generation, maybe it's the millennial generation I'm speaking to as a millennial, um, the, what happens is being anti-traditional becomes a virtue, right? Where you're against even the notion or the concept of tradition, all right. So these things, as we work through them, ultimately, what do we want to be our final authority for faith and practice? Word of God. The Word of God. Right. The Word of God. <clears throat> so there are traditions that we should be aware of, and it has to do with their source, their origin, their authority, but there also are traditions that we ought to keep, that we mm. ought to hold to. And so it's it's neither... It's not right to hold every tradition you've ever been given, neither is it right to cast off every tradition you've ever been given. Uh, and, 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 and really, because our, at our, our time in history and in, in Western civilization is so prone to polarization, right, we have a hard time uh, striking the, not necessarily balance, but finding the right place that's good. When it comes to different things, because it's so easy to just jump in a camp and fight with that camp or fight for that camp. Um, so could I, could yes, I just please. say that just to preference what we're doing here, and I'm just thinking about this, the three of us around the table are best of friends. However, I could probably, I'm thinking right now of traditions that are different that we hold. Mm-hmm. Mm. Tradition, conviction, whatever it is you, you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That So as we're declaring this to you, I just wanted to say that as we're around the table, I think the three of us hold different traditions. Um, I don't think I'm wrong, I'm right and you're wrong, because at the same time, I believe in liberty, that there's liberty um, with these traditions as well, because when we use the word tradition, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I have chapter and verse to back this up. Yeah, sure. Well, and this is the key, the key argument to be made is we need to have traditions, right. but we need our traditions to be rooted in the Word of God. Here's a tradition with some people in my church is that, okay, uh, men don't have facial hair. Okay, as we're sitting here, I don't have any, and these two guys do. So uh, it's also the tradition with some that women don't cut their hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also tradition with some that women wear pants, don't wear pants, whatever the case may be. Um, And around the table, we obviously have different traditions that we hold to, but we're still friends. Yeah. The reason I say that is we're in such a nation that divides over everything. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's just lopped over into the church. Right. Yeah. And I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of, you know... People not understanding liberty, mm-hmm. that, okay, these traditions, I remember when 
our church went to an afternoon service. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were some that felt we were taking the mark of the beast mm-hmm. because Jesus had a six o'clock Sunday service yeah, yeah. and how we were just being horrible. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, okay, there's a tradition of men that yes. I'm somehow breaking. Right. Anyway, go back to you. Well, no, this is good because um, there's a warning, okay, in Colossians chapter two and verse eight. I know. So in Mark, Mark seven is where I start. You know, mentally in this, I think about how Jesus specifically spoke to the tradition of men and and not in, in where the Pharisees erred is that they, in many ways, but in one particular way, Mark 7, is they taught the traditions of men as the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the key, I think. Right. So in Colossians 2, Paul says, verse 8, the Word of God says, beware... Okay, so what does beware mean? It means to be aware, right? <laughs> Crazy, huh? Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So our first word to consider there is the word spoil. When we think spoil, we think, you know, when you come to the fridge uh, December 23rd and you still got Thanksgiving turkey that might have spoiled, right? Beware of... But the word spoil in the Bible, uh, more often than not, the majority of usages have to do with war, the spoils yeah, of war. It's a battlefield reference. Yes. Right. It's, so if you, are, if you are spoiled, that means that you are conquered, you have been um, taken Lo- captive. Yep. Looted, <laughs> taken captive, robbed, okay? So we're to beware lest we be conquered, looted, taken captive by what? Well, through, number one, through philosophy, through philosophy, okay? So uh, philosophy being, I believe uh, a friend of ours described it as man's um, reasoning about God or or man's ideas about God or man. Philosophy is totally a man-centered line of thinking. Okay. That's good, yeah. Um, so beware of that. Also beware of vain deceit, okay? So we know that a vain mind is a carnal mind, mm. right? So beware, uh, and, and that's deceitful, right? Um, so, so they are to not be spoiled by these two things, but also these things are going to be after, okay? So what is the source? What is the origin after the tradition of Men. So we are to beware of the tradition of men. Now, this can be a verse where someone takes it and says, there it is, you know, traditions are bad. But the same, the same God and the same apostle writes in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Yes. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, comma, commas are important, right? Mm. Because the clarifier is that these are traditions that are taught by word or our epistle, okay? By word or our epistle, uh, by, you know, those things that were taught by the word of God. Uh, the Bible says, if any man speak, let him speak what? As the oracles of God. So the things that Paul taught the Thessalonians or Thessalonians, depending on your preference, um, they were from God. They were not from Paul. They were of God. So this is where we, you know, as you get older, you realize you can't be anti-establishment or anti-tradition, but you do have to bring all of of our traditions, all of our practices, 
under the light and the microscope of the word of God. And that which is good, hold fast to that. And that which is clearly the roots are the tradition of men, you can you can let go of it. You, you don't have to uh, follow that. The problem is where, and we now we can start unfolding some examples. The problem is where um, a man will call another man a sinner for not holding a tradition that's a tradition of man. That's a problem. And that's what we're, a, we want a mature, maturing believers and mature believers to recognize when something is a tradition that, even if it's a good tradition, it's one that was formed by man um, and not, you know, set aside his brother for that. Does that make sense? Okay. So now we get into traditional views in scripture, which maybe we have held that we recognized were not sound and we let them go. We let go of those traditions. So this is kind of like where we, where we shift to some things maybe you held to in the Bible that you recognized, that's a tradition of man, that's not a tradition of God, I'm letting it go. I'll go first. Genesis 6, <laughs> right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 6, I remember... I remember thinking, you know, godly line of Seth, because anything other than that, it messes with my theological system, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm not allowing that to happen, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but then over time, you realize, huh, that's a private interpretive thing. That's a tradition of man. You got to let it go. It's, I'll say one more thing, and then I'm going to shut up, okay? I heard... I'll shut up for a while, <laughs> okay? I heard a man say one time that... He was proud, he was an older man and a kind man, but he was proud of the fact that every single thing he was taught in Bible college, he never changed on or never wavered on. And I marked that. I was like, that is really fascinating that everything he was taught in Bible college, he never let go of any of that. And I didn't I'm processing ex- that in my mind. I didn't examine all of his beliefs or probe because it was kind of mentioned in preaching. But I was thinking, man, like... This was an older man. An older like man. He just graduated. Right. Yeah. A seasoned man. Yeah. I'm thinking of the teachings of the Bible colleges that I'm <laughs> Right. Familiar, and I can't say that about any of them. Right. But... <laughs> so, to, so I felt, okay, you know how sometimes people become Proverbs in and of themselves? I just marked that example and I thought, man, I'm not sure that's good. I don't think mm. that's good. It seems to me he's holding to a... An institution rather than... Rather, well, yeah. he is holding to traditions. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. Hmm. See, they use the verse, as in uh, Thessalonians uh, 3, 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. So it's that... Well, you didn't receive that tradition, or you you're not, you're not following. So we got to withdraw ourselves. We got to separate sure. ourselves, which I don't believe, and I'm not going to get into all that. That's what the scripture's teaching out of Second Thessalonians three. Um, well, I think the traditions they received that's the Acts two. That's the point. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Yes, yes. That that's the point I'm making is that they're uh, it, the scripture's not teaching that. But if I'm going to grab a verse and hold on to, Amen. I, I will separate from that because they're that tradition. It's that verse, um, which is again taking it out of context and misuse. Resting the scriptures as the Bible. Right. Calls. Yeah. That's that's great. So some traditions 
or traditional understanding of scripture mm-hmm. that you received, were taught, and worked through and realized, you know, I don't understand it that way um, anymore. Anything that you can think of? Well, you mentioned Genesis 6. I'll go farther back in time. For me, it was um, the big, the, the first one for me was 2 Chronicles 7.14. Okay. Yeah. Um, when the traditional passage mm-hmm. at, on the 4th of July, if my people, which are called by my name, um, all I had to do was sit down one day by myself. I was... I was already a pastor. I probably shouldn't have been at the time, but I already was. And July was coming, and oh, I'm gonna preach all oh, that one. And I go to it, <laughs> and all I did was read the verse, the verses before and after. I was just gonna say, have you ever read verse thirteen? Yeah, because we're always taught, you know. Well, we'll read the context. Well, here's something that was always preached every. You know, I, I decided to read the context, and I went. Well, snot. I can't preach that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's it, it. That was the number one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I realized that was a tradition that I could set aside and say I can't use that verse anymore. Yeah. So for that reason, right? And it had nothing to do with like sincerity in your heart to please the Lord. No, like, it really didn't. You should make that qualifying statement. This is we're in no way, shape, or form. You know, trying to point fingers or criticize, no, no. but just suggesting that we should all humble ourselves before the Lord and His Word, mm-hmm. and where He, I think it's in Philippians, where there's this principle: if in anything ye be otherwise minded, the Lord shall show this unto you. You know, okay. So the word "if" suggests that you are going to be otherwise minded. Like there's just some things that you have to learn and grow through. And I'm thankful for the Lord and and friends from the Word of God can show me, well, have you looked at this? Have you considered this? Mm. Um, you know, through humility. So what about you? Just a game changer. Oh, piles of them. But <clears throat> the kingdoms, you know, I grew up my whole life hearing they were the same. Um, bride of Christ, who the bride of Christ is. And again, I won't get into that because... I remember you asking me, I remember having the discussion about the kingdoms years ago. Like I think during my internship... Here, which would be my first discussion with you on years. the kingdoms was on the floor of an airport. Mm. You were with us mm-hmm. coming back from Oklahoma. Right, we had like a six-hour layover or something. Boy, I don't remember that. We were sitting on the floor of an airport because it was so packed. There was no seats, and we legit because we had no sleep. Right, the night before, and Maybe that's why um, I don't remember. <laughs> that's right. And we discussed. That was the first time in my life I ever heard anything about the kingdoms ever. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, he's lacking sleep. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So, um, but that was the first time I ever heard that. I two. I'll mention these two because these two are folks at Churchill are very aware of because whenever this tradition is in our songs. Oh boy! We change it. We we rewrite the words. We have done the same of the song, yeah. Because it is the traditional view is wrong, mm-hmm. and the two big ones we just gave our Resurrection Sunday cantata this Sunday, and um, so there's now I don't correct every piece of music. Okay, like the fourth verse of it is well with my soul. The author got his doctrine wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, of verse four, which is the coolest verse. 
you know, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Well, that's the second that's coming, the second not coming, the coming of Christ, not the rapture. Yeah. So, but you know what? We don't correct that. I don't consider that. Yeah, yeah. But there's two which I consider bad enough that's in all of our music, and I have to correct it. One is that Christ is God's only son. Hmm. You know, I grew up in a Bob Jones church. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Oof, yeah. And that, we sang that all the time. And in so much music, Christ is, call, is called God's only, only son. son. Mm-hmm. Trouble is, the Bible does not ever call Christ God's only son. Mm-hmm. He's called his only begotten son, which the Bible, according to Acts 13, that denotes... So when you remove the word begotten from that, you are denying Christ's resurrection. I don't... You know, that's the way it is. Acts 13 establishes that for us. So this is not a little deal. It's a big deal. So the traditional view of man would be that Christ is God's only son. We're against it so much we rewrite music. The second thing that's we're... X, three extra syllables you got to chuck in there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. We in choir practice on Sunday, we spent about five minutes as a group thinking how we were going to rewrite this he song to get it to fit into the music. His only begotten it's son. The second, it's the second principle, and that is the fact that the traditional view of man is that God the Father forsook God the Son on the cross. And that just isn't so. Hmm. And it's in all kinds of, it's music all the time. It's in our cantata for this year. We're still trying to figure out how to rewrite it uh, because that it's just wrong. Hmm. God the Father did not forsake Christ on the cross. So, but it is so widely held and I can hear it now. Bless God, he forsook his own son so that he wouldn't forsake you. Hmm. I've heard it my whole life and it just isn't so. Yeah. Hmm. Not so. So this that is, one's a big one. To well, me. and this opens, I mean, a great, a great field of study, and that is the music that you choose to sing in your church is teaching everybody who sings it. It's yes. teaching doctrine. Well, isn't the psalm teaching the Jews their own doctrine? Sure. Yes. Right. I mean, right. So when they're, if we, you know, we um, came across a song, I'm about to trigger uh, some folks, a Bill Gaither song, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, oh, I know. Everybody hang on. Hold my coffee. <laughs> right? um, so, but there's a chorus. I can't remember the song, but it's, um, the more that I love him, more love he bestows. Okay. So it's, uh, what is the name of the song? It's the uh, hymn. The longer I serve him, the okay. sweeter yes. he grows. Yes. All right. Yes. Now yes. think about that chorus for a minute, right? The more that I love him, the more love he bestows. That he just shirt, shared his love with us. Whether, whether I loved him or not. While we were yet sinners, sinners. Christ That's died right. for us. So his greatest show of love happened yes. while we were wicked. Chad, that's such a great rhyme, but, though. Come on. <laughs> so, but, okay, but that also teaches... So it, def- it, it um, goes against doctrine, but it also teaches something. And it teaches that, in or- that God's love is conditional. So if I want God to love me, then I need to do better. And if I do better, he'll love me more. Well, that's an abusive relationship, right? right. That's right. We wouldn't want any any of our kids to be in a marriage where their spouse only loves them when they're when they're good and do good. Well, it's that again, if if we're holding to tradition, I I don't know if you were there, but when I was in college, this I use a 
I use a borrowed term for somebody, but a pastor that we, we're all familiar with uses this term, so I'm going to use it. But this donut came and preached, and um, he, he, I don't know if you were there or not, but he preached the entire message out of a hymnal. Oh, no. He, I, used, he used a hymn to, you know, he read some verse. Sure. And then he opens, everybody open up your hymnal to page 35. And then he, you know, all four points were all four verses. It just, it was, I remember thinking to myself, as a, as a Bible college student, I'm learning how to be a pastor. And even then, as, as dumb as I was then, I knew, and I am still dumb now, but you get my point. I knew the something's not right here. Do you know why that happens? This though? is this is man's word. This isn't I, God's word. I think like I mean, we're like wandering everywhere, but I think those things happen because like the spirit is number one. This is a is this a Pensacola you're saying? Okay, so that's that's high pressure. It's high pressure for any man to have to go and speak to thousands of people. Yes, stressful. And you can even think, man, I, I gotta come up with something original. Right? And what motivates that? Well, the love of the praise of men. Yes. So if you love the praise of men more than the praise of God, and the even the stress of it, all those forces together, because I would, I gotta wonder, like that individual, when they went home, was there ever a moment where I thought, oh, that was the dumbest thing I yeah. could have ever yeah. done. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Because I've done that. To preach from a hymnal. Right. I, I haven't I, preached from a hymnal. I can I, honestly I'm say not, that. I'm not down. I mean, use hymns, you know, sing these songs. Um, but I think it's important as a pastor, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but as a pastor to the, the, the flock that God's given me, it's my job to show the truth of scripture. Sure. And when that untruth is being sung, you know what I mean? Right. Don't um, just accept tradition. Yes. Like, I am okay, bound well, for it's... the promise. I'm not bound for the promise land. No. You know what I mean? But we're we'll singing that song. Yeah. On Jordan Stormy Banks, I stand. Yeah, uh, it's not. We're um, singing that Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. <laughs> but you see, it, it, well, when, it's kind of like Beulah. When it, when it comes to music, do you feel like you have the ability, nor the time, to correct every little one hundred percent? You know. Okay. So. And then you have then you have the faults correcting, right? Because I, you know, I would. I grew up. If you went to Hark to Herald, Angels Sing mm-hmm. that Christmas song. I don't know which verse it is, but it talks about hail the son of righteousness and it's S-U-N. And um, my dad would get up every time and say, if your hymnal says S-U-N, you change that to an O. We worship the S-O-N son, not the S-U-N. Well, it's clearly referencing Malachi chapter four, talking about the rising of the son, S-U-N of righteousness. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that's a correction that for me, doesn't need to happen. Right. And there's a great truth that you can teach. Right. So um, it's it's that knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. that I have to fix everything, but now I'm fixing too many. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just Yeah, those, those are the two major ones <laughs> that are consistently that on in our songs mm-hmm. that I feel the need to correct. Yeah. Because because if Jesus is the only son of God, what am I? Sure. And who is Adam? And if God would forsake his own son, why isn't he going to forsake me? Sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, to me, that's pretty major. Yeah. So, hmm. so maybe like even traditional songs that we have just received as part of our, our, our singing. I'm careful to use the word worship because worship is another word that just the traditional understanding of worship right now it's is music. that it's music. So, right. Right, and and omits the rest of our life as living sacrifices. I've always laughed through the years the misuse of songs. Yeah. For instance, you know, the Union Army adapted 
the uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic, which is clearly about the kingdom of Christ, yes. mm-hmm. and uh, using it because they truly felt during that time they were ushering in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. They were just wrong. They'd... Well, we have a story to tell to the nations. Right. Another one. Yes. Yeah. That is just, it is post-millennial in its doctrine. So what's interesting, Joy to the World. Yeah. Traditionally, a Christmas song has nothing to do... All about the second coming. It's the second coming of Christ, but we've completely... Now, are we going to sing it at Christmas time? Yes. Yes, we're going to sing it. But Joy to the World has nothing to do with the first coming of Christ Mm -hmm. at all. So this is probably where like a Romans 14 comes into play, right? Because one man esteemeth one song, right? right? And another man esteemeth it not. Right? So, and, and just let it be. Leave it alone. It's I not... just let it be. Hmm. Yep. But if you were to come across and teach that someone who sings joy to the world, right, is is uh, a wayward brother, right? N- now we come into an issue where our tradition has become, our com- a commandment of man has become a tradition yeah. of God yeah. that it shouldn't be. Yeah. Yep. I'm just... You know how there's some things at different seasons in life that you're just stewing on and just chewing on? and Yes. Um, I, I try to go by the thought, I'm not going to hold my folks accountable to any more than the Bible does. Right. Because anything else, you know, I've been accused of being a legalist uh, several times just because I do believe in standards. Mm-hmm. I do believe in things. I, I don't try to make them out to be biblical principle. But you still have to, you know, have some form of standard that, you know, I can't go to Titus 3, 7 that says, okay, if you're going to sing a, if you're going to be a leader in your church, you're going to dress this way or behave this way. But there has to be something, there has to be some framework upon. So, um, so we're not against no way, no. I'm not against, you know, guidelines, whatever you want to call them. In a local church, that's where the word liberty mm-hmm. comes. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not the two of you wear a tie tonight, by the way, today's Wednesday, so we all have a service tonight, By whether whatever it is you wear on Wednesday night, none of my business. Mm-hmm. Have clothes on, I think yeah. that, that would be a key. <laughs> yes, yeah. But um, whether I do not wear a coat... Wednesday nights. I'm I'm dressed for Wednesday night right now. I like it's winter time. I like wearing sweaters. You could call me Mr. Rogers, I guess. I was actually gonna say that, but I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't no, care. No, it looks good. I enjoy cause it's not cold enough for a coat. So I just enjoy a shirt and tie and sweater on Wednesday nights. And anyway, anybody can mock me if they want to. Um whatever you all wear tonight, I don't care. You're the pastor of your church. You have the liberty to do whatever. But in some circles, the traditions of men is, my word, you've taken the mark of the beast. You're not... Mm. So then if we were to... So those are traditions that we can... Like we can roll with it. It doesn't really... It's it's not a grounds for separation. But Paul, uh, Paul I think it was... Paul, you read... Where was it um, where he talks about separating from those that don't hold? Second Thessalonians 3. Right. So then there's here's, – here's what's funny. What's funny is the other – again, that's not funny, but the other side of this is people that you should separate from theologically when they don't hold, the tradi- hold fast the traditions that have been taught. 
Like that is also a difficult yeah. when situation. When do you separate? It's difficult yeah. because you can still love that and uh, love, love not biblically. You can still have affection for that person, but then because they have veered off doctrinally into an area that you know is wrong, they're not holding the tradition they've been taught. The what is the biblical instruction? I think it, you read it. It's to to separate from, yeah. right? Yeah. What does that look like in an uber, uber connected, ultra connected culture? That's hard to achieve. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I uh, dislike strongly the effects that social media has had upon believers, where, um, where they align themselves with people theologically that otherwise they would not. Like they align themselves around a cause, around whatever, whereas doctrinally they have nothing in common. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that, yeah. the, alt, the access to being connected to people all the time, it makes it difficult for you. It blurs the lines. Hmm. It blurs the lines to where when there's a, a brother who doesn't hold fast. Like, for example, we would not say that our King James Bible position is a tradition of man. It's a conviction. But there are some people that would look at that and say, well, that's that's your tradition. Yeah. And we like your tradition. That's great that you have your tradition, but I have my tradition. Okay, well, how, how do what does that look like? I think we have to work through those things. Yeah. You know, what it looks like in a modern world to separate... Um, those things I struggle with, I'm working through, figuring out. Yeah. How does tradition become truth? We, we talked about that. How does the tradition of man become Bible doctrine? I understand the, what was it, the approach during World War II, say something loud enough and long enough and it will become truth. Sure. How does that happen? How do, we, how do we show that to someone perhaps in our church that you know, has grown up under and has just become such a part of their thinking where if you asked them for chapter and verse, they couldn't do it. Yeah. So logically, there's this is my take, and Josh, you need to jump mm-hmm. in on this too. Mm-hmm. When we are handed traditions, when gen- traditions are passed on to us from the generation previous, they are handed on with a certain level of sacredness, right? Um, like, for example... I may not appreciate a lot of the things that are going on in our country, mm-hmm. but I will, as a citizen of this nation who is blessed to live here, when the national anthem is sung, I will stand and remove my hat and place my hand over my heart out of respect. That tradition, and I don't, I, I, I want to fall short of calling it sacred, but it is an, it is honor that should be shown. Right, so to not do that would be to not show honor, hmm. and sometimes we might feel like to not hold a tradition that's been handed to me would be to dishonor that previous generation, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the, so there's that. The other part is if something's been hammered into us long and hard enough, um, and and a man says or a, a mom or a dad says. Uh, you know, God has said, or 
God wants you to, or whatever, children obey your parents, so I want you to do this. Like it can get ingrained in us. We see or receive what has been taught to us as it is the word of God. And we don't separate the word of man and the word of God. Remember, Paul commends the Thessalonians, Thessalonians, because they received what was taught them as it is the word of God and not the word of men. Mm-hmm. But sometimes mm-hmm. people don't, don't make division there. Mm-hmm. If it comes from the man of God, then it must be the word of God. Yeah. That mystical faith kind of yeah. ties into that. So those are things that happen, like those things happen. They happen that way. Um, intentionality and lack of intentionality. Uh, that I, that's my, my take. Yours? No, I would agree 100%. Um, because, again, let God be true, but every man a liar. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's what the scripture says. And I think what happens is you love your your teacher so much. You, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And And he could never say something that I would disagree with. Or he could never say something that goes against the Bible. Well, let God be true, and every every man, right? As much as I love you two, you're not going to say everything right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As much as I love you, you guys, and the teachings that you can give me, um, and that I could give the folks at our church, it doesn't mean every statement I say is right. There's only one truth. There's no your truth and his truth and his truth. There's only one truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think what happens is we we really do. We enjoy this particular person so much or or we read his books mm-hmm. or we 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 like and again, great. Mm-hmm. I think those are helpful. But our foundation for faith and practice in all walks of life is supposed to be God's word. Mm-hmm. And um, going back to college, this guy that preaches out of a hymnal, I have another, a memory of a gentleman who who preached, and I learned so much from this guy from the scriptures. Um, and I remember this particular message he preached. It, it kind of, uh, well, I'll, I'll just give it to you. But he he preaches a message. He builds a sermon off of an illustration versus the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And he's got this story that happened in his life, and the entire sermon was this story. And then he would pick scripture as he was telling you the story for the for the next forty five minutes. I'm going to tell you the story, and as he gets to certain sections of his story, he'd pull out scripture that pertains to that part. You know what I mean? Like, so what is that? That's mystical. Yeah, faith mysticism. Yeah. So do I dismiss everything this guy's ever taught me? But at the same time, I have to know, okay, as much as I really like this guy, he's going to say things that are not scripturally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And um, and I think that's what happens is we start, well, this guy said it. I, I, I you know, I really like him, so I'm going to – where's that in the scriptures? Sure. Well, the sons of God, that's the godly line of Seth. Well, who said that? Well, he did, and he's he's got a doctorate, yeah. and, and he studied the Bible. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah. It's just that, that slippery slope. Yeah. Like just perhaps the principle that the scripture you brought up that is just critical to the whole thing is let God be true. But every man and a liar. And every man a liar. 
and and even subject ourselves to that. Josh Lovelace is a liar. To that, yeah, he sure is. Yes, I am. So (laughs) I don't love lace, (laughs) but that can be done. (laughs) That can be done with charity. One hundred percent. Right. Yes. That's what you're after. (laughs) You're after. Can this be done with charity? Well, yes, it can be. Um, I hope it can be. Hope it's it can been be. so many times through the years. I use the phrase, "Worlds are going to collide today," mm. and our folks at Churchill Baptist. Of, I'll preface a message and I say, "Look, worlds are going to collide today." And what I mean by that is, okay, what you have always been told and always believed is going to collide today with what the Bible actually says. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So. The only – it is upon you what is going to survive. Are you going to hold – and there's been plenty. Just, you know what? Either it's my grandmother taught me this or this is what I've always held to and I can't leave it. Well, this is what the Bible clearly teaches. And whenever they say, well, I've believed this my whole life. Yeah. And you can't just throw away 70 years. I take them to the book of Nehemiah. And the Bible says that when the word of God was read to them, it was brought to the attention of the Israelites that they had not observed the Feast of Booths. And you look at it in the text, it says, from the days of Joshua, Joshua, Mm. until then, you do the math, 1,000 years, Mm -hmm. they had not observed it. The Bible says they went out, they cut wood. They built the booze and they observed it. So if people who it was their tradition for a thousand years not to do something, but the word of God was true and was declared unto them, do you hold on to your tradition or do you do what the word of God says? That's good. That is, uh, that I, I was reading about, uh, reading, oh, I think it's First Kings about Solomon and I think it's First Kings chapter 3. Three. Uh, yeah, look at this. First Kings three, verse three. Um, the Bible says about Solomon. Okay, First Kings three three, and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Okay, mm. so so there is here's his here's here's God's testimony on Solomon. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. What's interesting is you think, well, why didn't he... Was the tabernacle not available? Well, the tabernacle was available because David pitched it. Mm-hmm. So the tabernacle was made available to Solomon, but he received, right? I mean, verse 1 talks about him uh, taking Pharaoh's daughter and marrying her. Right, so that maybe is is important to note. Like they're starting this deviation in Solomon's life away from. But even though the Bible says that Solomon loved the Lord, he still held to some traditions, held to some practices that were wrong, that were wrong. And so even like the wisest to to take this booth thing, one thousand years, the wisest man to ever walk the earth besides Jesus. Okay. The wisest sinner, uh, even he didn't see that. He didn't see that they hadn't observed the booths. You know, and that would have been a requirement for him to read the scriptures. David yeah. would have required that of him. Um, 
Well, look at David. Man, didn't, man for God's own heart. Yeah, he didn't either. Man for God's own heart. He didn't either. Him, you know. Yep. So every king after David's compared to David, yeah. including Christ. And um, he still didn't observe the, the Feast of Booths. So I'm just thankful for the grace of God. Amen. You know, we're working through a life. You work through your life and you receive traditions and then you um, you realize that there's things that you... There's things called mores, M-O-R-E-S, things that you understand and believe, but you don't necessarily, you haven't put them to pen and paper. Like it wasn't until I got outside of New England that I understood that that we, Mainers in particular, we have passive aggressive ways of communicating things, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Okay. That, yes. that you don't know that you do it, but you're doing it, you know? And so the encouragement is to have, you know, we should have traditions, we should establish, establish, right? Traditions, mm-hmm. establish the ones that are good, establish the ones that need to be established, and be humble enough to recognize when something I'm doing is a tradition of man. And mm. I, I don't, it's, I want to be careful there. It's not that I, it's a tradition of man is against the word of God. Yeah. Because what Jesus says in Mark 7 is that your tradition has made the word of God of none effect. So so it's not just reject all traditions that that you don't have a chapter and verse for. You can have traditions that are rooted in principles of the word of God. That's right. That you can take from principles, but those traditions that are opposed to the word of God itself, then we should be humble enough to do away with those. Mm. And get rid of those. Those are my, those, again, maybe more uh, personal growth in my own life, things that the Lord is teaching me, um, than it is deep theological thinking. But it is a process that we all probably continually go through, huh? Does it ever stop? Does it ever stop? I don't believe so. Yeah. No. You're just, because it never stops, because... Your church body is ever growing and changing, and your church body now is not going to be the same as it is five years from now. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, there, there's a man that we all know who pastors uh, nearby here who uh, had a man who was 73 years old, who like just several weeks ago received Christ as his Savior, but that man was a member of that church. He had been a... a been a part of that church for decades, a member, if you will, for decades. But it, it wasn't to several weeks ago that he finally, like the Lord opened his eyes and he received him as Savior. Wow. And it was, and he's, he was so excited. The man was excited. 73 years old, was excited. Uh, that breaks our traditional view of salvation. You know, that it oh, happens, yeah. you know, somewhere in the window of five to seven years old, you get saved, you get baptized between the window of, of eight and whatever, and then you go on and, and it's this uh, factory production of Cookie Christians. Cutter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just, I'm thankful for that man's salvation and thankful that that church is, the church is receiving him, receiving that. Yeah. You know, they're thankful for that. They're praising God for that. What a blessing that is. So, yeah, ramblings on tradition. Amen. That's good. Very good. Any other words before we wrap it up for another episode? That's it. (laughs) I'm good. Wow. 
A lot of. Uh, <laughs> I think we ended one episode one time with good vibes. Yeah, so, uh, I think we're afraid to end with something. <laughs> what something stupid? Yeah, because okay. that's what you. I don't remember what the episode was. I just remember Chad saying that some good vibes. I'm like, right. that's one way to end on. If we're both quiet, he'll say something that sounds good, and then our producer will throw in the song, and we'll be good. That's right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you back with us again. Uh, stay tuned for another exciting episode from Backwoods Theology.